Welcome to the Jenny Catron Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Foresight. At Foresight, we are cultivating healthy leaders to lead thriving organizations. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. Please enjoy the rest of our show. Well, hey, everyone. I am so glad you have joined us today. I'm glad you have not disappeared. Because I kind of have. And first, I need to just apologize because we have gone a couple weeks without an episode. And uh, you've probably been wondering where I am, what is going on, why don't we consistently have an episode in our uh, whatever, wherever we get our episodes. And uh, that's because I have been sick for most of the month of November, which has been absolutely making me crazy. Uh, because I typically don't slow down. And the funny thing about all of it is that our focus for this month was self-leadership. And I have found myself having to do some serious self-leadership during this month of craziness for me. And um, I had a cough and cold and all the typical fall cold stuff. And then it turned into pneumonia. And so I had to really actually get pretty realistic with myself about my capacity. I had to slow down a little bit. And so I was actually laughing. There were a couple weeks where I just didn't even have a voice. And so I think even probably the last episode, you might've heard that. Like I was really struggling to get through the episode because I had no voice. And right now I'm having to really pace myself because I still do actually have pneumonia and I'm having to be really like, my my breathing is like my lung capacity is really weak. And so I'm having to be really intentional to not speak too fast, which I normally do anyway. And um, so anyway, this has been like a crazy month for me. And it was just kind of, it made me laugh at some points because I'm like, here we are talking about self-leadership and I'm having to work super hard to lead myself well because everything in me wants to go, 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 go. I'm an Enneagram three. And those of you who have the Enneagram three disease know that we are high achievers, always on the move, making things happen, have to be efficient and being able to be a little more realistic with my limits has been a bit of a challenge. And so um, that is what the month it has looked like for me. And so I just want to apologize that we've been a little erratic with episodes and um, hopefully we're back. The doctor says I'm on the mend. So I actually just went today for another checkup and x-ray and things are moving the right direction. So there again, I'm going to have to employ some self-leadership to not get too ambitious and um, go backwards. So anyway, thanks for your prayers. Some of you have commented on social media and stuff and just said that you were praying for me and um, super grateful for that. So I'm, we've been in this subject of self-leadership and um, I've got a few things to say there because definitely kind of feeling like I'm living in that. So one of the things that comes to mind when I think about self-leadership, one of those things, those terms that I associate self-leadership with is this little word discipline. And I think most of us kind of cringe at the word discipline because it is often associated with making ourselves do the hard thing, doing the thing that we don't want to do. Um, we often try to rebel against things we need to be disciplined about. And uh, discipline also means stretching ourselves in different ways. And for me, the discipline I needed to learn this month was that sometimes leading yourself well might actually mean slowing down. I think we always, we always attribute discipline with like the, the thing that we have to do. And in my case, it was the things that I needed to not do. 
I needed to like clear my schedule a little bit. I actually needed to actually rest and not frivolously be decorating my house for Christmas. If I'm honest, I like am going a little stir crazy that I don't have everything decorated and ready for the holidays yet. But therein is the discipline for me, right? To leave some of those things go so that I can actually get well. So it's about honoring your limits and making choices that about things that sometimes it's not what you want to do. It's what you need to do. And even in this month for me with the, um, you know, being sick, I haven't been able to work out for a couple of weeks. And working out is one of those ways that I just help myself with like good mental health and, you know, obviously good physical health. All of that works together. And so I've had to really work on and I know this probably sounds crazy. Hopefully some of you are tracking with me, but I had to really be intentional to say, no, the right thing, the way to lead myself well this month is actually slow my pace, be willing to let go of some things, let go of some control and be more disciplined in helping myself get back to health. So when I think of self-leadership, I find myself constantly coming back to that word discipline. Now, one of the things that my family did do over the Thanksgiving holiday was we went to see the new movie, It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, all about Mr. Rogers. I hope you have seen it. It is a fantastic movie, really inspiring. I grew up as a kid watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and so it's just nostalgic. I'm not sure that there's anything that I wouldn't enjoy hearing more about the life of Mr. Rogers. But the movie itself is really well done. Tom Hanks does a fantastic job. And, uh, but there was one part of the movie that really got my attention, especially related to this subject, because the, the, char- the lead character in the movie is a guy named Lloyd, who was one of kind of, you could say, Mr. Rogers' like pet projects, like this um, journalist who was interviewing Mr. Rogers, but Mr. Rogers ends up having just this remarkable impact on Lloyd's life. I won't give away the whole storyline, but basically Lloyd has a side conversation with Joanne, who is Mr. Rogers' wife. And Lloyd says to Joanne, what's it like to live with a saint? And, you know, again, he's discovering just how phenomenal Mr. Rogers is, what an amazing man he is. And um, Lloyd is just asking Joanne, what's it like to live with a saint? You know, this has got to be a little exhausting. And she replies that she doesn't like that, that word. She doesn't like people referring to Fred, as she would call him, or um, how else? Raj. She would call him Raj. Um, she said she didn't actually like the word but because it implies that Mr. Rogers, uh, what he is and who, he, what he does and who he is, isn't attainable. She was like, to call him a saint suggests that other people can't do and be who he is. And she said that what he does is really a practice that he works on every day. And, you know, and again, the way he loves people, the way he sees people, puts people first. But she says that, that she sees Fred work on that every day. Discipline, right? And she went on to describe like some of his morning routines, scripture reading and swimming, that were some of the key disciplines that he did to lead himself well. And I absolutely loved that moment of the the movie because I was like, wow, that's so inspiring because I do. I think sometimes I'm tempted to think that those who are further along than me, like the people that I admire and look up to, that somehow they have some kind of superpower that I don't have. And so I've got to work like twice as hard to get to where they are or accomplish what they've accomplished. What Joanne was saying about Mr. Rogers was that she doesn't like people to see him that way because she sees him practice she's, every day these things that make him who he is. 
And so that idea of discipline, that that's what it comes down to. So what does it look like for us to develop discipline, right? In my book, The Four Dimensions of Extraordinary Leadership, I spent some time on this topic and I thought I would share some of those thoughts with you because I do think sometimes we get a little overwhelmed uh, by discipline and uh, in leading ourselves well. And so I'm going to just share a few of the thoughts that I've had throughout, you know, just as I've continued to work on this in my own life in leadership. And I actually, um, a scripture that comes to mind often for me is 1 Samuel 16, 7, where it says, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And I normally take great comfort in the second half of that verse, right? Where it says that the Lord looks at the heart because I know that despite the best of intentions, I'm going to fail. And so I'm grateful that God looks at my heart. I might fail to meet somebody else's expectations, but I treasure the fact that ultimately God is judging my heart and not my every action. But here's the thing. As leaders, we need to be aware that man does look at the outward appearance. That's the first half of the, the verse, that man looks at the outward appearance. And our actions as leaders often speak more loudly than our words. And you know this is true, right? Like um, what you do is what gets repeated, not necessarily what you say. If what you say is inconsistent and incongruent with what you do, you're going to lose credibility. So our actions as leaders speak more loudly than our words. And those that we lead and we influence will be evaluating our actions. They're evaluating what we do. If you think about some of the people who you followed in leadership, if their actions didn't weren't congruent with what they um, said, then we lost a lot of trust for them. So those we lead at influence will be evaluating our actions and they will never fully know our hearts, right? They'll never fully know your heart. So your actions do speak loudly. In fact, I would say that your actions speak louder than your intentions. So our leadership will be evaluated by what we do, not what we intend. So this is why discipline matters for us so much as leaders. And I think a lot about this on-demand culture that we live in, right? And I think it's done a disservice to us in just in how we approach our work because we've created a culture where we can acquire what we want when we want it without a great deal of toil or agony. So, you know, a quick swipe of the credit card and we can take home a new TV or a new fabulous dress for Christmas. Um, and uh, we expect to get what we want when we want it. That's just kind of the culture that we've grown up with. And so to wait on anything feels like kind of a failure of some sort, right? Somebody failed in customer service if we have to wait more than a couple minutes on the phone. So waiting and working hard are not really admirable traits in our kind of impatient society that we live in. So this begs the question for us because discipline is not something that you can do overnight. So how do we develop discipline when discipline by its very nature, is countercultural. When we want to develop discipline and when we want to lead ourselves well, that requires something that's kind of countercultural and kind of uh, outside of the norm. And I think that's why we resist uh, discipline and we resist leading ourselves well. It's kind of the beauty and the curse of it. The discipline can be beautiful because it's so radically different from the norm that it actually stands out. So we hear, you know, we go to this, I go to this movie over the holiday with my family. And to see the impact of Fred Rogers and you go, wow, he stands out. Like our culture is missing men of character and integrity, leaders of character and integrity like that. And so it's countercultural. When we have a life that demonstrates discipline, it's countercultural. Uh, others notice a well-disciplined person. And while they might not quite understand it, they can appreciate it because the results 
are undeniable. But the curse of discipline is that others aren't going to be singing your praises when you're in the trenches doing the hard work, right? When you're getting up early and you're spending time in prayer and scripture reading and, you know, whatever other disciplines are core to your self-leadership. No one is cheering you on and praising you when the alarm goes off at 4 or 5 a.m. And no one's going to notice and praise the reading and studying you do before the sun comes up. No one's greeting you at the door of the gym with a pep talk and a sports drink, right? Disciplined moments are lonely moments, but these are the moments that build the foundation of influence. I think this is so, so critical. I'll say that again. Disciplined moments are lonely moments, but these are the moments that build the foundation of influence. New York Times bestselling author Tommy Newberry says that self-discipline occurs in the moments when intention defeats indulgence, when mission trumps mood, and when spirit conquers sentiment. Let me say that again. Self-discipline occurs in the moments when intention defeats indulgence, when mission trumps mood, and when spirit conquers sentiment. To be a disciplined leader, you've got to adopt several important habits. So I want to give you a couple things to just be thinking about, because of course we're going to how, right? Like we get it, we see the value in it, but how do we do it? So let me give you a couple things to be thinking about. First, setting goals in all areas of life, personal, professional, family, fun, goals not set, our goals not achieved, right? So we can't, um, if we don't set goals, we're not going to meet goals. Entrepreneur and author Jim Rohn says that discipline is the bridge between goals and accomplishment. Discipline is the bridge between goals and accomplishment. So disciplined leaders see what they want to accomplish in every area of life, and they define the goals to get there. So, you know, this is a perfect time of year for you to start doing some of this reflection before we jump into the new year. What are some of those goals that you want to set in each area of life? Disciplined leaders organize their lives to reflect what they value most. They're clear about their priorities and are laser focused in accomplishing them. So what does that look like for you? Another big thing for us is to take initiative. The disciplined leaders can be trusted to do what they say they'll do, and they're known for getting things done and can be counted on to follow through. Just do what you say you'll do, right? Like that is the essence. Disciplined leaders don't wait to be told to do something. They see a need and they fill it, right? So those are those things for us. If you're, if you're in a, a role where you're aspiring to more leadership, the more that you can anticipate and you can see a need, you can fill a need, you can be counted on, you take initiative, that's a huge step in self-leadership. It's a huge discipline that will help you continue to grow in your influence. Another key thing for us as leaders to develop discipline is to know when to say no, because disciplined leaders understand that we're not superhuman. So this has been the thing for me this month, right? That I'm not superhuman. I can't keep barreling through everything and just assume the pneumonia is going to go away. We have to come to terms with our limitations and as a result, make deliberate choices about what we will or won't do. We know that we must play to what is most important and then are constantly managing the tension of the urgent versus the important. And that's a big one for us as leaders is managing the urgent versus the important. And that we're hyper aware of that tendency of urgent issues to overtake our lives, right? The urgent is always going to vie for our attention and get our attention. So as leaders, we have to be disciplined to make sure the things that are really the most important are getting our best time and energy. And then have the courage to step up and take and retake control rather than becoming a victim of the tyranny of the urgent, right? So we've got to kind of 
be the one who helps calm the, I often refer to it as organizational anxiety. When the urgent starts to churn and kind of take over, we as leaders have to have the courage to step up, retake control so that the tyranny of the urgent doesn't take over control. And then another thing that we can do is be clear on what only you can do. Disciplined leaders understand what they are best at. They know their sweet spot and they work to play to their strengths every single day. We don't get bogged down comparing and competing with others. We focus our time and attention on the roles and the tasks that we are best positioned to perform. We know that when everyone plays their respective part to the best of their ability, the whole team is better. And we understand that when we model this belief, it empowers everyone around us to do the same. See, guys, discipline is powerful. It sounds like a snoozer. It sounds like something that we like is not super exciting. And it isn't, right? Because discipline moments are lonely moments. But those are the moments that help build the foundation of influence. And I just think there's so much opportunity for us as leaders that as we develop some self-leadership and we develop some self-discipline, that we're going to continue to grow our influence. We're going to continue to make an impact. So next week, we're going to build on the self-leadership topic because I just love it. So it's never really going to go away. It's always part of the culture here on the podcast. But I want to shift and I want to talk how we as leaders need to think differently to lead differently. This is something that I'm discovering a lot in my work with leaders and coaching and consulting is that um, there are critical moments in both our personal journey as leaders and in our organization's uh, journey that we have to think differently to uh, lead differently. We have to think differently to behave differently, that there's something different that's needed of us in critical moments that helps catapult us forward. So I've got a couple of great interviews coming up uh, over the next few weeks on this particular topic. So I hope that you'll stick around. I promise I'm aiming to be back regularly. And uh, if you would, I'd love your continued prayers that I can conquer this pneumonia, but probably you need to be praying that I will pay attention to my limits and I will let my body heal appropriately, right? Pray that I lead myself well. So uh, I would tell you, if you'd like to take a step forward um, more on the uh, developing self-awareness and self-leadership, we do have that. um, It's actually the leadership assessment from the four dimensions. And you can get that by texting foresight. That's the number four in the word sight, uh, S-I-G-H-T, to 773-770-4377. And you'll get that free download. So it's you text foresight, the number four, the word site, S-I-G-H-T, all one word, no spaces, to this number, 773-770-4377. And uh, we'll send you that. You'll also get um, included in our weekly leadership insights, which is where we're constantly sharing with you leadership thoughts, ideas, and nuggets to just keep helping you on your journey as a thriving leader. So my passion is to cultivate healthy leaders, to lead thriving organizations, and our mission is to equip you with the foresight for success. So keep leading well, and uh, I'll keep leading myself well, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the Jenny Catron Leadership Podcast. If you have any questions, please email Jenny at podcast at get the number four site.com. If this content has helped you in any way, we would love for you to share this podcast with your friends and on social networks. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing content coming from the Jenny Catron Leadership Podcast.
Your comments mean the world to us, so please rate and leave comments on our podcast. And remember, you need foresight for success. We will see you next time.